Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I am your host, as always, Stan McCune. I am a realtor here in the Greenville area of South Carolina, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. And just a reminder, as always, please leave this show a five-star rating if you're using uh, an app that allows you to do that, such as particularly the Apple Podcast app, which the vast majority of you guys that are listening are using that app. So I know that you can leave me a five-star review. Please do that. Please, if you can type up a short little uh, review that just kind of says what what value you get out of the show, I would appreciate that as well. Um, And of course, really the only thing, at least so far, that I get out of this show personally is real estate business because I am a realtor. So if you need a realtor here in the Greenville area or you know someone that does, please send them my way. Reach out to me. All my contact information is there in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. One thing um, that I have said to you guys in the past um, that I'm going to reiterate is a lot of the content for my show uh, starts out in my mind as a question. I operate under the assumption that if there is something that I am interested in or a question that I have, it's probably something that my listeners are interested in or a question that at least some of them have. Um, And a lot of these questions stem from trying to piece together or, or trying to figure out some of the things that are not reflected in the monthly statistics that the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors releases. Um, they release some really fantastic information, some some great data that I pretty much go over every month with you guys. But there are some things that they don't discuss. And probably the the thing that I wish that they had in there the most that they don't is information on price reductions. And that is really a big uh, topic right now and, and a major thing that I'm interested in right now because obviously we are seeing a lot of price reductions. Um, and in addition to seeing a lot of price reductions, we're also seeing, as I discussed when, when we went over the monthly statistics uh, last month, we're seeing uh, a lot fewer offers that are above uh, list price and substantially more offers and substantially more contracts that are below list price. Well, um, what's interesting is that the monthly statistics that GGAR produces, um, even when it's looking at the uh, list price to sale price percentage, uh, which tells us how much lower the contract price is versus the list price, that isn't even accounting for price reductions because they only look at the most recent list price. Um, so w- there's just a lot of different important aspects to the data that's out there that is directly tied into price reductions. And I started with the question in my mind, how many price reductions are we seeing right now? And how does that compare historically to what we have seen in the market in the past, I just realized I haven't turned off my phone, so I'm going to turn on Do Not Disturb. Okay, all right. Because if I don't, you guys will just be hearing phone calls the entire time and, and text messages the entire time I'm, I'm doing this show. That's my life as a realtor. All right, <clears throat> so here's what I did. I went into the multiple listing service, MLS, and I pulled all of the sold properties from... Uh, Basically, 
May through October of 2022, um, then through November 21st through uh, November of, of 2021 through April of 2022, so the six months prior to that, then May through October of 2021, then November 2020 through April 2021, um, and then I did the whole entire year of 2019. Now, I, I intentionally left off the beginning of the pandemic um, because that was just such a weird time. Like if, if I did that stretch from, uh, if, if I kept this consistent and did, uh, like I said, that, that pandemic period of time immediately, you know, May through October of 2020, or even before that, we would just have a lot of really wonky data. So I intentionally left that out, but I wanted to go do the entire year of 2019 because we can safely say that was pre-pandemic. Things were quote-unquote normal back then, back in 2019. And so we, we need to compare it to, to all of that stuff. Um, and so I took all of those different periods of time and broke down how – it's actually quite simple to do this in MLS because they have the, uh, the original list price and then the most recent list price and then the sold price. Um, and so I can actually see based on what the original price was and then what the final list price was. And I don't even, I, for this study, I didn't even have to look at the sold price, but I, I can look at how many price reductions there were. Now, what I didn't do is I didn't clean up this data because there's going to be a lot of uh, scenarios where realtors that don't know what they're doing enter listings incorrectly into MLS. Example. There are uh, there were several that I saw where someone entered, for instance, a hundred ninety-eight thousand dollar house for a hundred ninety-eight million dollars, and then they had to reduce the price by uh, you know oodles and oodles uh, in order to get it back down to a hundred ninety-eight thousand. I started uh, running some like other analysis on this to try to like figure out different averages and medians and whatnot, and just found that things were just getting really out of hand because of, of the realtors that had incorrectly uh, listed things and added extra zeros at the end, uh, which then bumped those listings up. I didn't, basically, I operated under the assumption that that is just going to happen um, and it's going to happen regularly, fairly consistently uh, across you know all of these different sets of data. And so I didn't scrub it free of, of all of those. So that's just something to to keep in mind. Um, but I looked at all of these different periods of time to see what we have been seeing in terms of price reductions. And here's what we saw. In 2019, and this is actually a higher number than I expected. In 2019, 32% uh, of listings saw a price reduction. So almost exactly a third of properties of, of homes, that was what I was specifically looking at with single family homes, uh, that were sold had price reductions. Um, so it, again, it's pretty straightforward. Basically one out of every three properties that listed on the market at some point had to reduce its price. Now, obviously during the pandemic, that number went way, way down. Um, we can already see that in the November 2020 through April 2021 data set, uh, because that number went all the way down to 20.81% for that period of time. 
in May through October uh, 2021, that number went to the lowest of all of my data set that I have here. It went down to 12.86%. So during the most insane time that we have to, to track here, 12.86% of listings had a price reduction at some point. So a little bit more than one out of 10. Um, that stayed very low for, for my November 21 through April 2022 data set. 15.64% of listings had a price reduction during that period of time. And then May through October of this year, that number hopped back up to what it was back uh, in November uh, 2020 through April 2021, basically 20%. It was 19.88%. Um, so still much lower than 2019, right? Mm, maybe. Again, remember, I was looking, I, I actually failed to mention this, but I filtered all of this by sold properties, which didn't really matter for the uh, properties that were, you know, like a couple of years ago. But for the properties that were the past six months, only filtering by the sold properties made a big difference. So I decided for that six-month period of time, well, let's look at all of the actives and under contract properties as well. And for comparison, uh, my the the number of listings that were sold for the past six months that I came up with from May through October was, uh, at least for these properties I was looking at, was 8,929. Um, the number of active and under contract right now, as of when I pulled this data, was 4,629, which, by the way, huge number, right? Not too long ago, we were looking in the low thousands at uh, at you know, properties that were uh, active and under contract, maybe not low thousands, low two thousands. For actives, it was low thousands. If it was active and under contract, it was uh, low two thousands. So um, we are basically uh, double, perhaps more than double what it was just six months ago when it, when it comes to that. That's a product of what we've talked about, inventory going way up as fewer people are buying, but still a lot of people are selling uh, or trying to sell at least. Um, so what, what, percentage of active and under contract properties uh, have had price reductions. 42.71% um, of the 4,629 active and under contract properties, 42, almost 43% of them uh, have had a price reduction. That is a massive number. That is uh, nearly, no, it's greater than 10% more than what the 2019 year had. So this is then going to be reflected in the sold data moving forward. If I if I do this exercise six months from now, we will see probably close to 50% because this number is going to go up, right? Because this number accounts for, there's a lot of active properties that haven't yet reduced their price that are going to have to. Um, and so I suspect that if I do this exercise six months from now and I look back probably about half the, the listings, half the homes on the market will have had a price reduction. That does not even account for the number of them that will then have to accept an offer below what their home is listed for. Massive, massive implications for the market. We are seeing tons and tons of price reductions. And I predicted exactly that earlier this year. If you guys were listening to this podcast earlier this year, I said that the market shift would result in a lot of price reductions because people have gotten used to being able to overprice their home and still get it under contract relatively quickly. That norm of being able to overprice your home and still be able to sell it with 
with either no or very few repercussions. I just did a podcast on on that specifically. I've done two podcasts on overpricing your home the past couple of years. Um, if you're interested, listen to them. But the most recent one that I did showed that there was a major anomaly, which was that overpricing wasn't that big of a deal in the post-pandemic market, or you might, or you might say the pandemic real estate market. Now that we are in this new phase of the market, it is returning back to what it normally would be, which is that if you overprice your home, it's going to cause a problem. And what the market is saying, and this is crazy, is that 50% of the homes out there, roughly speaking, are overpriced. That is a an insane number. One out of two, um, I, I'm, I, it's not quite one out of two. Again, it's it's closer to 43%, but I'm, I'm, believing that when it's all said and done, it will be closer to one out of two properties currently for sale um, are going to have to experience a price cut. Um, So that is, if you're selling in this market, you have to be prepared for that. You have to understand that this is the market dynamic. Um, And again, I I predicted this, that people would get caught, that that they would get, have gotten used to the old norm, not realize what the new norm is, overprice their home, and then realize, oh, this is not going to work anymore. Um, and and let me just say for a second, the reason why it worked the past couple of years, and I mentioned this on my podcast a, a few weeks ago, so I apologize if, if you're an avid listener and, and uh, this is a repeat for you. But when you're in a market that's appreciating by, you know, basically 2 to 4% per month, uh, which is what we experienced in, in a few months, uh, in uh, the past couple of years, we had some months that had that type of appreciation. <clears throat> um, all you had to do, let's say that you overpriced your home by 5%, all you have to do is wait it out a few months. You you might not sell it right away. Again, is that best practice? Perhaps not. Um, you know, If you're wanting to sell quickly, you still shouldn't overprice your home. But if you overprice your home by 5%, all you had to do was wait a few months for the market to catch up, and it would. And then all of a sudden, your house is worth what it was listed for, um, and you know perhaps you're happy with that. Um, now that's that's no longer the case. Even though we are seeing still those year-on-year numbers are still very high in terms of appreciation, things are cooling down, and and we are going to see those year-on-year numbers cool down quite a bit. Because people just have more options now. They have more things to look at. And so if they see a property that's overpriced, they're just like, eh, no, not going to look at it. And remember, uh, that year-on-year ap- appreciation uh, that we look at when I'm looking at the monthly statist- statistics, that's dealing with sold properties. That's not talking about properties that haven't sold, right? And so the people that are having to reduce the price on their home are those are homes that haven't sold yet. So that's not reflected in that data. So when we say that the market has appreciated by 15%, uh, well, it hasn't really, that's actually, I, I probably need to be more precise. The market hasn't exactly appreciated by 15%. Um, only sold homes sold for 15% more, right? But there's still all of the, as the active inventory gets higher and higher and higher, there's still all of these properties that are just sitting that are, are available. And eventually, once those prices get reduced, once they end up having to sell for less than what, what it was listed for, we are going to see those year-on-year numbers fall back to reality. That's that's what I think is going to happen. Um, so all that to say, 
overpricing people that overpriced their homes are, are starting to finally see the market do what it normally does, which is to tell them your home is overpriced. It's going to sit. You need to reduce the price. Um, unfortunately, it's happening to a lot more homes for sale than we normally see. Um, but that's the product of a shifting market. That's the product of, again, people being left out in the cold thinking, oh, you know, my neighbor sold for 350 uh, a month ago. Well, I can sell for, I can list mine for 375 No, it's it, maybe that was the case a year ago that you could do something crazy like that and not be penalized for it. This market currently is penalizing you if, if you get greedy. Um, I, I also predicted uh, several months ago that people who were able to get by selling fixer uppers would no longer be able to when the market shifted. And that's exactly, anecdotally, th this data doesn't reflect this per se, um, but anecdotally, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing a lot of these homes that were in desirable areas that are, so let me back up for a second. About a year ago, um, I had several clients that were just constantly getting outbid in their search for homes. And I'm not just talking about one specific client. I don't have one specific client in mind. I'm just talking, generally speaking, I had a lot of buyer clients that were just getting outbid over and over and over again. What happened when they kept getting outbid and then, of course, you know, they were up against, you know, the ceiling of what they could afford and all of that, we had to look at fixer upper properties. We had no other choice because all of the other ones, the, the properties that weren't fixer upper properties were just getting the, the prices were just getting pushed up so high. They were just, everyone was, was putting in offers. They were getting 20, 25 offers. It was crazy. Well, that resulted, as I said, in us then having to go look at fixer-upper properties, and, and we had no choice. And these are properties that traditionally only investors would have been interested in, would have been looking at. But now we are seeing, and it wasn't just my clients. It was, I knew a lot of other people that had the same thing. They were... Uh, having retail, just normal first-time homebuyer clients having to look at fixer-uppers because there was n no other option out there. Well, then those fixer-upper properties would then end up getting multiple offers on them because the, the inventory was just so low. Well, guess what? Inventory isn't low anymore. And I predicted, uh, again, that this would happen, that those people that, that could sell fixer-upper properties for retail pricing, that that was going to be the demographic that got hit the hardest. Those were going to be the people that traditionally, that, that was such an anomaly. We have never seen a market where you could just list a fixer-upper property for only a few thousand dollars less than a property that needed no work and still be able to sell it. That has gone away. People are not buying houses that, uh, that need cosmetic updates. They were willing to deal with that a year ago. No longer. They don't need to. There are other options on the market. And so anecdotally, I've seen a ton of price reductions on properties that are that need cosmetic updates, that need other sorts of updates. People aren't looking at them. They're not buying them. They have other options that they can work with. Um, and so those properties now are going to have to be priced for investors to purchase them. That's just, that is reality right now. And they're, you're not going to be able to sell a fixer upper unless it's very unique, unless it has some sort of unique appeal that people aren't going to find a non-fixer upper on the market that's similar to it. Um, unless it has that, it's just going to sit. And I'm seeing homes right now in very good parts of Greenville County and Spartanburg County 
um, and, and Anderson County as well. Um, and I'll throw Pickens in there because I look at all these different counties. I'm seeing properties in all these different counties that a year ago would have already sold that are just sitting right now uh, because they it has gross carpet. It has messed up flooring. It has an ugly kitchen. All of these different things. Uh, people could deal with that last year when it was just like, we just need to get a home. We just want to lock in these low interest rates. Now people are just like, mm, nah, we're, we're not going to mess around uh, with that now. We'll, we'll either keep looking um, or we'll go under contract with another house that doesn't need so much work. Um, so that's going to continue to, to fuel price reductions as well. Another thing I'm seeing is uh, these iBuyers, and I, d- I did a podcast episode on the quote-unquote large investment companies um, that we frequently refer to as iBuyers that you know they send out postcards to people to say, hey, your home might be worth Three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Why don't you reach out to our team of our acquisitions team? Usually, what they call it. Why don't you reach out to our acquisitions team and we can get you an exact quote today on on what we could buy your house for. We'll make it a quick closing, cash, blah 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 blah. Um, I talked about. I did a podcast on them and kind of my opinion on them uh, a, a few months ago. Um, well, I'm seeing that. A lot of these i buyers are having to see a ton of price reductions. They're they're having homes that are just sitting on the market. We're seeing tons of price reductions on their homes. Um, these homes were overpriced to begin with. The work that the i buyers did to them, the the rehab was not good. The i buyers are hard to work with, and they also aren't paying buyer agent commissions uh, that everyone else is paying. They're not paying three percent. Usually, they're paying two percent. Um, in contrast to the big home builders that know what they're doing are now paying four to five percent buyer agent commissions. Um, whereas these I buyers uh, that have that are just purchasing these properties from people, just normal people off market, and then doing some uh, putting some lipstick on the pig and then listing it for forty, fifty thousand dollars more than they purchased it for. These properties are seeing price reductions and. Uh, you know, I, I have some clients that could be candidates for some of these homes. And guess what? I'm not interested in showing them these homes because I don't want to personally work with an iBuyer. Now, if I have a client that is interested, I'm not going to not show them the home and I'm not going to not uh, put in an offer because simply because I don't want to work with the iBuyer. That's not how I do my business. But if I have a client that is basically relying on me to find them the best home, I am very concerned about the work that these iBuyers do on these properties, and I'm also very concerned about actually getting to closing with these iBuyers because a huge percentage of their contracts fall through uh, because of how difficult they are to work with. And so um, all that to be said, I'm seeing a ton of homes that are on the market right now that are uh, just sitting and that have had multiple price reductions that are owned by these large investment iBuyer companies. And... uh, and what's interesting when I pull up those homes and and then look at what the iBuyer bought them for, in some cases the iBuyer I can already see that they are already underwater. They have already like even if they sold it for what it's listed for, they would lose money. Um, and you know what? I said this in my podcast when I talked about them a few months ago. I did not think their business model was sustainable. Like they raised all this money, they should just build more inventory rather than than you know trying to flip houses flipping houses is not an easy thing to do um and the audacity that they thought that they could just do it 
by by virtue of an algorithm and doing a bunch of things remotely. It just bothered me from the get-go, um, and you guys heard that in that episode where I talked about them. Um, they should have just built houses. If, if they, they had all of that money, just do that. But um, anyway, I, I digress. They're, they're going to have some pretty bad uh, numbers to end the year, um, and so they're going to have to answer to their investors for that. Um, and I already mentioned that um, we're seeing new home builders having to do tons, tons of price reductions right now um, because they're they're getting stuck out in the cold with all these uh, you know homes in these neighborhoods that are for sale. Um, they're they're offering all sorts of, of incentives to move their properties. You know, um, Meritage, a very big home builder in the area, they were offering realtors two percent uh, buyer agent commissions. A couple of months ago, they're offering five percent now. Um, that's a massive difference in just a few months, um, and and you know they're they're hoping to get in good graces with buyer agents again. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give my opinion on uh, on Meritage. I'll get in trouble if I if I do that. Um, but uh, let's just say, as a realtor, I don't appreciate when uh, when any sort of home builder just you know does that sort of nonsense with uh, buyer agent commissions. All right, so what does all this mean? Um, here's just a few quick thoughts that I have in my head. Homes that have been on the market for a while obviously have some negotiate negotiating potential. I am thinking about this. If I am representing a buyer and they're interested in a home that's been on the market, I'm immediately thinking, okay, what kind of negotiation p- potential do we have here? Is it price? Is it closing costs? Is it maybe some of the terms? Um, I suspect we'll see a big uptick in home sale contingencies. Those basically we went away. We basically have not seen home sale contingencies for a couple of years. I think we're going to see a, a big uptick in those in the next couple of months as uh, sellers can no longer be choosy. Um, and we're already seeing lower due diligence termination fees. I discussed this um, uh, again. I, I hate to keep saying I discussed this in, in previous podcasts, but I did. Um, I, I discussed that the the termination fee, which is what you pay if you back out during your inspection period, um, that's a negotiable item. And and I said during a seller's market, it's very seller friendly. During a buyer's market, it's very buyer friendly. Um, and right now, what we're seeing is kind of we we've definitely seen it shift away from that seller's market number where people were were offering insane termination fees. Now we're seeing those termination fee numbers much lower so that a, a buyer, if a buyer backs out, they don't have to pay as much um, as they had to pay several months ago. So, so that's a, a major shifting point in the market. If we see those termination fees go all the way down to zero, uh, meaning that generally speaking, a buyer can get under contract with the property and then back out without owing anything, that is when we know that we are uh, entering something resembling, if not already, a buyer's market. Now, um, if I'm representing a buyer and we're looking at, at the home, at a home that's been on the market for several weeks, again, I am trying to get them as many concessions and as favorable of terms as possible. In the past, it was risky. It was risky to, to, to do that. You know, I would have clients the past couple of years, buyer clients, that would be like, hey, hey Stan, um, do you think that the seller can pay for my closing costs. And it would be like, no, no, absolutely. You know, we'd be looking at a house that had, you know, already five cars lined up on it. And my client would be interested in the house. And they'd be like, do you think the seller will pay for closing costs? And the answer was no, the seller is not going to pay for your closing costs. They're going to have 15 offers on this house. 
they're going to accept the highest and best offer. And that's not going to be an offer that uh, has the seller paying for the buyer's closing costs. Um, well, that's different now. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm shifting my approach with the times. Um, we should be able to get sellers to uh, pay for closing costs if that's what my clients want. If I'm representing a buyer, um, we should be able to see prices come down a bit off of what it's listed for. There's a lot of different things. Again, the due diligence period, how much a, a buyer potentially pays for the termination fee, that is a lot more negotiable now as well. So I'm trying to get these terms as favorable as possible for my buyer clients to give them the the maximum ability to get what they want um, for the cheapest number possible. Of course, new construction has more negotiation potential than it has in a long time as well, as I've already mentioned. Um, but builders are going to be more apt to give incentives rather than lowering the price. Because think about this. If you're looking at all the homes that have sold in a new construction neighborhood and you see the prices are going down, then that's bad for the neighborhood value as a whole. Builders want to keep those sales prices as high as possible and they'd rather give a bunch of incentives. It, and and usually what they want to do is not even so much incentives on like closing costs, but like upgrades to the house. So there's a lot of negotiation negotiating ability uh, if you're looking at new construction to be able to uh, get some uh, upgrades to to the house that you couldn't have gotten six months ago. Um, and perhaps in addition to that, maybe have them pay closing costs, things of that nature. Um, purchase price, I, I suspect that home builders, like I just said, are going to try to hold the line as much as possible on the actual sales price. It's going to be more negotiating on some of these other things. Now, if I'm representing a seller, my pitch is the same as ever. Do not overprice your listing. You do not want to overprice. The market is shifting, but we are also, in addition to the market shifting, which is bad for sellers, we're also entering the slowest part of the real estate season. Um, so this is also the time of year that prices seasonally kind of fluctuate and come down a little bit. Um, you don't want to overprice your listing. Do not do it. If your home, if you list your home for sale and it lingers on the market, you have no idea what next year is going to hold. We could have a recession coming down the road. Who knows? Um, you don't want to take that risk. Go ahead and list your your property, list your house for a number that is definitely not overpricing it. Do not do not overprice. It. I can't say that enough. Um, and and you know, just be prepared if you're a seller that. If you have to reduce the price on your home, that A, that means you overpriced it, which is bad. Um, but also, it, it's 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 a strange market right now where we might look at the numbers and determine what the price is and think that we aren't overpricing it. But because 50% of people are having to reduce their prices right now, roughly speaking, um, you might find yourself in a situation where you have to reduce it anyway, just because the market has shifted so much that it's hard to actually even figure out what the correct price is um, in, in order to, to strike that sweet spot with the market. So just keep all of these things in mind um, as you uh, look to sell your real estate. So we're seeing a lot of price reductions, and this is going to this is a trend that's that's going to continue. Um, and we'll continue to monitor that as well as the other things. Um, but in the meantime, I appreciate all you guys listening, and I appreciate every single one of you that has left this show a rating and a review. So if you can do that, please, if you're if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, 
Um, typically, what you have to do is you have to scroll down. In You have to open up the show Selling Greenville, and you have to scroll down a little bit. And then eventually you'll see five stars. You just hit those five stars um, and then uh, write in a little review. Um, make sure you subscribe to the show as well. If you download episodes, that helps the show also. You can download them and then just immediately uh, delete the download if you uh, need more space on your phone. And as well, if you need any help with any of your real estate needs, my contact information is in the show notes. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will talk again next time.